0: This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon
1: Damer. It is not Larry Hardesty or Gordon Damer. It's Ty Butler filling in for the boys. As Hardesty would say, let's go to work.
2: Ty Butler, we're
1: going until midnight. At that time, you'll have sports in all night. But until then, it's you and I. Hit me up on Twitter and the gram at Ty D. Butler. You can hit up the phones at 1-800-919-3776. Uh, so much to get to tonight. We will talk about baseball. The Yankees in action right now. I believe they're going to the seventh inning. Yes, uh, the, the Yankees in Kansas City looking to rebound from that loss last night. Um, against the Mariners. That is a scoreless game. The Mets are in a tailspin uh, as things are, are falling apart pretty quickly over there in Queens. So we'll get to the baseball. Uh, some hoop stuff I want to talk to you guys about as well. But I do got to start with the NFL. And that is because on Saturday, we got our first taste of what football for game green is like under the tutelage of Zach Wilson. And we saw all the reports about how poorly he played in that green and white scrimmage. So what is the level of concern? There really shouldn't be any because it's a game uh where I don't even think they were tackling anyone. But naturally you're forced to overreact because here's a rookie quarterback coming into a situation where, you know, believe it or not, there is a lot of pressure on him because he's not just tasked with having to uh, help the Jets rebound from 11 consecutive postseason DNPs. He's also going to fairly or unfairly be judged up against Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields, three quarterbacks the Jets elected to pass on in favor of Zach Wilson. So if if you were a fan at MetLife Stadium uh, this past Saturday, it was the first time in nearly 600 days Uh, they were allowed to be in attendance. You're rooting for a team that, as I mentioned, has missed the playoffs in 11 consecutive seasons, which, by the way, feels impossible to do, especially in an NFL where there's so much turnover roster-wise. To miss the playoffs in 11 straight seasons, that's just embarrassing. So there is a natural thirst for any kind of success and this resistance to the idea that you have to be patient because it's a long process. So if you're a Jet fan out there, any overreaction is expected because, again, they, there's so much on the line here. You, you're you're going into a, a new era of football with Joe Douglas at the helm. He's been here for a couple of years, but now we're, we're beginning to see him have his imprints on the roster. Uh, it is a phase where now you're ushering in a new head coach in Robert Sala and Zach Wilson, your, your rookie quarterback. So to see him struggle, what do you do? Two interceptions. It could have been three on Saturday. I'm not gonna go crazy about it, but I will say this season should be fun because of all the reasons I mentioned. With you know, with all the the new shiny toys, with the head coach and you know the 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 quarterback and the roster in itself is it, it, it's pretty new. But there is anxiety as we get closer to the season. I saw earlier Adam Schefter tweet out one month from today. It's opening night in the NFL, and you're like, "Wow, it's it, it's come it's come that quickly. We're that close to the season kicking off, and there are going to be a lot of tests this year, especially with the COVID situation going on and and whatnot. But Cowboys at, Buccaneer, at Buccaneers, one month from tonight, so that's exciting. And then we reflect on what happened this past Saturday with, with Zach Wilson and the Jets, and you wonder, you know, is this is this a reason, is this a season where you go into it with confidence? Because I reject this idea that it's not about wins and losses. I'm not expecting the Jets to make the playoffs, obviously. First of all, the conference is loaded at the quarterback position, and the Jets are in, in what, year one of this rebuild. So to to go into it thinking this is a playoff team, you're out of your mind. They won two games last year. We were staring at Owen 16 by the way. Uh, they started off with 13 straight losses. There was a, a legitimate shot at them going win, uh, winless. Um, so I'm not going into it with expectations of them making the playoffs, but this idea that it's not about wins and losses, I mean, listen, ultimately, yes. What If we were to power rank the most important things heading in, into next season, what would it be? Zach Wilson developing. Because we saw the Jets draft a a trade-up to draft a young quarterback in Sam Darnold. And they were unsuccessful in surrounding him with the requisite talent needed to to elevate him and, and to contribute to his growth. Same thing happened with Mark Sanchez. So we've seen this time and time again. Get excited about a young quarterback only for the team to fail to build around said young quarterback. So that's the most important thing coming into next season the development of Zach Wilson. But we also want to see the fruits of Joe Douglas's labor. So this idea that you know it's not about wins and losses, if the Jets, I'm going to need some time getting used to the 17-game the schedule, if the Jets go 1-16 next year, it means the roster is historically bad. It also means that your head coach, who you're excited about, isn't as good as we project him to be. Now, we're not going to put all of our eggs into one basket in one season, but I I would like to see this team be competitive. Four or five wins? I'm not asking for, you know, 14 and three, but can we get four? Can we get five? Can we get six wins? Can this team be in it? Halfway through the season, you know how the the, the TV graphic, in the hunt for a playoff spot, are, are the Jets going to be part of that graphic? So, no, it's not about making the playoffs. It's not this, you know, I decree the team must make the playoffs or it was an unsuccessful season. You want to see the quarterback show some promise. You want to see that the head coach has command of the locker room, which it sounds like he does, and everyone that you speak to raves about Robert Sala. And Joe Douglas, the ability to build this roster, because I mentioned missing the playoffs for a decade plus, nothing to show for it. You're essentially what the NBA would call a lottery team, and you've got really no blue-chippers. To be a lottery team for 11 straight years, and and the roster to still be this bad, uh, it, it's absolutely insane. So, just wanted to reflect on, you know, what we heard about the the green and white scrimmage from this past Saturday with Zach Wilson. Uh, he was, by his own admission, we'll hear from him and his head coach Robert Sala on the performance next segment. He was, by his own admission, not good at all uh, in that green and white scrimmage. And you figure the nerves are there, the fans, you know, in attendance. It's his first game. Lots of expectations headed into his rookie season playing in, in this market for this organization. And by the way, I did find it fascinating reading uh, Steve Serby's article in the Post. He jokingly uh, alluded to the lack of boo birds at MetLife Stadium. Could you imagine being that much of a loser? You're booing Zach Wilson in the green and white scrimmage. Imagine being that guy. Imagine being that guy. So we'll get into the Jets. Your early look at what the, the projections are for this team. Your excitement level about what's to come in year one of this new era of Jets football. Uh, also got to talk about the Giants because we we did hear from Saquon Barkley today as he was activated off of the PUP list, the, the PUP list. So it looks like he's gearing toward uh, an attempt to play in week one for the Giants, which would be huge. What, what a season we have ahead uh, for that football team. All the intrigue, all the storylines uh, emanating from... Um, from from that Giants locker room over there. So so that's going to be fun as well. We'll also get to the baseball. As I mentioned, the Yankees right now in Kansas City and uh, a game I believe uh, through six innings only had one hit, but right now in the top of the seventh, Joey Gallo, Aaron Judge on base. So it's first and third with one out for DJ LeMahieu. The Yankees right now threatening with a chance to take the lead. They did lose to the Mariners yesterday, 2-0, Unfortunate news, Glaber Torres to the I.L. with a thumb injury. He's going to see a specialist. It looks like Gio Urshela, who's who's battling back from a hamstring injury. He had a setback. So the Yankees dealing with COVID and injuries right now. Uh, but they look to, to get back to their winning ways tonight with DJ LeMayhew at the plate. So we'll keep you posted on that game. We'll get into the Mets as well, some hoops action. We're having fun here. Ty Butler going to midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Respectfully, bucket on low like Eric and Parrish, closed casket flow. All you could get it, they don't give you one single rose while you could smell it. So I picked from my own garden. Wanna go out in my garden like godfather, grandkids in a rock while I got over the block trauma. Yeah. So, what you
1: say, Ty Butler, 987 ESPN, bumping that Nas EPMD2 off the King's disease. So the Yankees, right now. With a chance to take the lead, had runners on first and third, with Lemayhew at the plate, he hits a a tapper right back to the pitcher. Judge comes home, and it was a bang bang play. Initially called out, the Yankees challenge it, and the umpires ruled that he was indeed out. So so close were the Yankees to taking a one nothing lead in the top of the seventh inning here in Kansas City. But Judge called out at the plate. It's really, really close. It looks like uh, the tag got there just in time. So the Yankees now have runners on first and second with two outs in the inning. It's It's been a rough go. I mean, I, I looked at that Yankee lineup today, and I said, whoa, boy. Uh, you got guys in there. Gardner, Stanton, Judge. Okay. G- Gallo, LeMahieu, Voight. But then you go Velasquez, Wade, Higashioka. Yikes. Uh, you could very well put Brian, uh, Jake, and, and yours truly in that lineup, and I, I think we could have uh, gone, what, one for six as uh, that bottom of the order right now. I think we could have gotten it. You think Jake would have gotten the hit or Brian? Which, which one? Jake's got to get the hit.
4: Yeah, Brian's pointing to me, so I think I'm the guy that's coming through in the clutch right now. No
1: confidence in in, in himself no. whatsoever. No. Hey, guys. He so we got Luke Wood at the plate. Uh, he, he had an opportunity early in this game in the third inning. The Yankees got a run into third. It was LeMahieu on a triple, or maybe it was a double in, in an error. But he was on third with one out. Void at the plate. He struck out. So here's his opportunity uh, to make up for, for those wrongdoings as the Yankees try to get back in the win column. We started off, and I'll keep you posted on this game. We started off talking about the Jets, that green and white scrimmage. I'm excited about the season. It's In, in theory, it should be fun because you have so much... To play with, that is new. The head coach, are excited about the GM. We've been led to believe that he is going to improve this roster with the draft capital that the Jets have. And then you've got the quarterback, of course. But Zach Wilson did struggle on Saturday. Some made it a big deal. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go crazy about it. It's a, a, a scrimmage with guys not even tackling each other. Um, we are going to get ample opportunity to evaluate Zach Wilson Uh, Saturday night, not one of them, but here was Zach uh, reflecting on his performance on Saturday. Yeah, not great. You know, I have high expectations for myself and and for this offense and, you know, I got to lead those guys. I got to make better decisions, but you know, that's why this isn't, you know, game one. That's why, that's why we're doing this. And and I understand that. Of course, I'm going to be frustrated at myself, but um, you know, I'm going to go back in the film room and, and, you know, find out what I can learn and get better from. Does sound like a super sharp guy. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what he's about. And it, it, all, all year long last year, right, it was, you know, tank for Trevor Lawrence. But once the Jets won too many games and the Jags clinched that number one overall pick, you had to move on. And and for weeks, it, it took me a while to get over it because Trevor Lawrence, that's the guy. That, that's the generational talent, you know, People are saying we haven't seen a prospect like this since Andrew Luck. That's the guy you want a quarterback. The Jets have been searching for a quarterback my entire life. So I hear comparisons to Andrew Luck, who ended up retiring, unfortunately, but was you know, well on his way to probably a Hall of Fame career. That's the guy I want under center. I go from, with all due respect, Sam Darnold, to a guy being compared to Andrew Luck. I'm all for that but unfortunately the Jets won too too many games last year and now you have Zach Wilson and you got to you got to put all your your confidence in this guy who at BYU not facing elite competition but so far you know you know the team is high on him and and the Jets could have gone in other directions I mentioned Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields Zach Wilson was their guy, so we're hoping that this this plays out. Robert Sala also weighed in on uh, his quarterback's performance. It's his first time in front of the fans. I mean, there was was a good crowd out there. And, uh, you know, to have the coaches off the field where he's got to go through the process of playing and play out, uh, his coordinators in the box, uh, his quarterback coaches on the sideline, and and there's no one to turn to to talk to. So to have that first experience right here um, and to be able to go through it all – i, I th- these, these moments are priceless for him. You know, he had some good moments, uh, uh, and obviously he had some rookie moments. So it was good. it's going to be a lot of tape to learn off of uh, for him. Yeah, it usually happens. Uh, rookies have rookie moments. The Jets' first preseason game this Saturday uh, against the Giants. Um, uh, another team that's going to be a, a fascinating watch uh, over the course of the season. So many different storylines. And today we hear we we heard from Saquon Barkley for the first time. He was active in practice. All reports are that you know he looked good. Uh, Ian report of the NFL Network, I saw him tweet out a couple of days ago that the expectation was that we wouldn't see Saquon Barkley until at least Week Three. But it sounds like he is is gearing up uh, to try to play Week One. Feels so good to to be back out there um, playing football. Um...
3: The most fun part, I would say, is just being back out there with your teammates. So, um, obviously, this is the next step in my uh, rehab process. And um, just thankful to be, out, be able to go back out there and play football again with my teammates and play to, get to practice. the where I love
1: Yeah. And you alluded to also uh, to the media being hopeful, playing week one. I saw Joe Judd said he theoretically would like to play Saquon in the preseason, which to me is insanity. I don't think there's any chance you see that happen. I, like I understand, as the head coach, you want to get these guys reps, especially when they play, you know, positions that are like so important, where the communication becomes a factor with him and Daniel Jones and the receivers and pass protection. Like I get all of that, but could you imagine Saquon Barkley rehabbing for a year, ultimately uh, to serve or to suffer a setback? in a meaningless exhibition game. I, 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 If I had to put my money on it, I don't think you see Saquon at all this preseason. And I think that would be the right move. You got to get him right for week one because it is, you know, it, it's important when you look at the Giants in the schedule. I heard um, DCR filling in for the K show today uh, that, that, That schedule for the Giants right out the gate is tough. You're home against Denver. Then on a short week, you play at Washington. You come home for the Falcons. Then it's go to New Orleans, go to Dallas, come home for the Rams. That's a tough slate. So, you know, you start off 0-2. We know historically that means you're you're drawing dead to make the playoffs. So it's important for the Giants to have one of their best players, position players, and then playmakers – who obviously was missed last year. The Giants ranked 29th, uh, I'm sorry, 31st of 32 teams in scoring offense. You want to get him out there as as soon as possible, but you got to find a way to gauge, you know, protecting him from himself and and prioritizing the long haul. But also recognizing that if you start off 0-2, like I said, you lose a couple of games out the gate, it's going to be tough. But as someone who who roots against the Giants, I am so intrigued about what lies ahead for this team this year because we get a season-long quarterback audition for Daniel Jones because it's year three. And now we it is time to have a, a verdict, to arrive at a decision on if he is the quarterback of the future. Since being taken six overall, in twenty nineteen, that controversial move with Dave Gettleman, Daniel Jones, eight and eighteen as a starting quarterback, thirty-five touchdowns to thirty-nine turnovers. Yeah, not great. And now he's got an assortment of weapons. You add Kenny Galladay, you get Saquon coming back, you've got Slayton, Evan Ingram. The Giants have armed him with the 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 necessary pieces where we can no longer make excuses. Now, yes, the offensive line is going to play a factor, and you hope he's able to, you know, gel with that unit. But for Daniel Jones, the issue has been turnovers. In his rookie year, he led the league in turnovers. That's despite only playing 12 full games. Last year, he played 13 games, still led the league in turnovers. I'm sorry, not turnovers, fumbles. He's a fumbling machine. He's got to take care of the football. And that hasn't seemed to to be something that has corrected itself over the course of the first two seasons. So it's important for them to get Saquon back under center because the Giants now a decade removed from winning their last playoff game. It's go time. I know everyone loves Joe Judge and he's grown on me as well. You love the discipline. You love the attitude. People rave about him. But if the Giants miss the playoffs, we are going to then question the legitimacy of him as a head coach. Two straight years of missing the playoffs. Head coaches don't get a long shelf life in the NFL. So that's another reason why I think that the next season is going to be intriguing. So so many different parts, you know, with the, with the the quarterback audition for Daniel Jones. You've got Joe Judge. You know, if the Giants miss the playoffs, you have to figure Gettleman is gone. Because if if they do miss the playoffs, you would assume Daniel Jones didn't prove he was the quarterback of the future. So that experiment, you know, where he ex- expended that the sixth pick in the draft on him in twenty nineteen, is over. And then it's like, do you bring in a new GM and, and have, marry them to this head coach? What happens with Joe Judd? So there are there is so much to watch next season as it comes to the Giants. So I'm just looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. And for Saquon Barkley personally, like if we remove the team aspect, of course you want him to come back and help contribute to wins and get this team back to the playoffs. But for him, he's going to be looking for a contract as well. He's going to be looking for a contract and it's about him being able to prove that he's healthy because he's had a couple of injuries. The most significant one, he tore his ACL last year but if he can come back and, and regain that form, then all of a sudden, that that's another weapon for you. If you are the most optimistic Giant fan, whatever you project this team to be in the next two to three years, that's predicated on Barkley not just returning uh, health-wise, but him becoming the player he was when we saw him in, in Season 1 win that Rookie of the Year where he was fantastic for a bad Giants team. That was that was a horrendous Giants team, and and the, the the fact that he was able to still amass the numbers he did en route to winning Rookie of the Year, it, it was incredible. So I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to watching my guy Zach Wilson go out there and send the Jets to a 17-0 record and win the Super Bowl. And I'm also looking forward to seeing Daniel Jones fumble the ball in, in Week 1 and fumble it in Week 2 and Week 3 and Week 4. I'm just kidding. Uh, quick update on the Yankees, by the way. So Luke Voigt in that... Seventh inning, runners on first and second, two outs. Uh, hit an RBI single. So the Yankees uh, now head to the bottom of the seventh inning. They are up one nothing on Kansas City. Tyon's still in the game. He's been great. Only three hits for the Warriors. Coming into tonight, by the way, for Tyon in his last eight starts, 6-0 and with a 2.20 ERA. So you can be critical of Cashman for a lot of the moves he's made. But this one has seemed to pan out. Tyon has been great, and tonight, uh, against a, a bad Royals team, but you still got to give him credit for going out there and giving the Yankees, uh, a compromised Yankees team, uh, the ability and to, to to win this game. So nine outs away from getting back in the win column. We'll keep you posted on that game. We'll continue to take your phone calls on the Jets and the Giants. We'll do some hoops as well coming up. Hit me up on Twitter, at Butler. Hi, Butler here on ESP New York tonight, filling in for the great tandem that is Larry Artisty and Gordon Damer. We're going until Midnight Sports Center All Night, but until then it's you and yours truly. 80 919 3776 is how you join the conversation. You can hit me on Twitter and Instagram at Ty D Butler at Money Power Respect. Shout out to Brian for coming in with the tunes today. By the way, so I was listening to the K show earlier, DCR filling in. What a wonderful job they did. And I heard a story. I don't know if you guys caught this, but Dave was was recounting a a story about him a couple of years ago coaching in what I believe was a soccer game. I want to say it was a soccer game. And he found a way to bench a five-year-old. But I thought it was warranted because said five-year-old, just during the game, uh, lost his mind and left the field to pet a dog. And I know Chris and Rick— which I was shocked by this because I would expect the athletes would be hard on, on on the kid. I know he's only five years old, but man, we play to win the game, as Herm Edwards said. Uh, so I, I applauded that I text. I said, Dave, you, you nailed it, man. You you got to bench that guy. Five years old, I get it, but you can't just completely lose your mind during the game when we're trying to win. He says they go on to to win the championship. They get the trophy. I thought Dave was right. I th- I thought I thought Dave was right to do what he did.
4: All right, so I'm going to say something and you can't judge me, okay, Ty?
1: I promise that I will not judge you.
4: All right, you might after I tell the story, but I've actually had a similar experience when I was a kid playing CYO basketball. I, I don't remember if it was fifth or sixth grade, but I actually called the timeout because I heard my cell phone ringing. Wow! On the bench, right. I don't think my teammates or my coach were very happy with me, but at the time, my cell phone was for emergencies only. <laughs> So when I heard it ringing, I called the timeout and I picked up the cell phone. Who was it? I think it was my mom, to be honest. I think she was wondering if the game was over (laughs) and she was outside ready to drive me home from the game. But I heard it ringing during the game, and I called a timeout, and I just remember my coach asking if everything was okay. And I said, yeah, everything's fine, but I just heard my cell phone ringing, I need to go see what's going on.
1: Wait. So, I I mean, I can't get mad at that because if it's for emergency purposes only, then I would imagine your heart's racing. Well, my mom said it was for
4: emergencies only so that I wouldn't overuse it. I'm sure the bill was high. I was in fifth or sixth grade at the time. I don't even know if I should have had a cell phone, but it was for emergencies only. So I said, let me bring it to the basketball game. I'm going to need to call her after the game is over so that she can come pick me up. And I heard it ringing. I don't know what point of the game it was, but... I did indeed call a timeout because my cell phone was ringing.
1: Yeah, not a good job. Not
4: um, my finest moment.
1: I, I, so I actually would put more blame on your mom because I think that in that situation, is she not able to come in and see whether or not the game is over? Like, why does she have to call you?
4: No, so so my parents came to almost every game. I don't know why. This must have been—it uh, wouldn't have been an away game because they came to all the away games. They wouldn't have dro- uh, drove home and then come back for an away game. It must have been a home game in my, my hometown— so they must have been coming back for the end of it, and it rang at the wrong time, and I cost my team a timeout. So I'm sorry to the Our Lady of Victory <laughs> CYO
1: basketball gonna, team that I did that today. It's going to haunt you for the rest of your life. But as far as Dave, like, are, are we on board with what Dave did? I, I expected Rick and Chris, as, as I mentioned, as athletes to be more firm and, and you know, taking his side. How, how do you call a timeout? And I'm not going to be the guy because I'm not a doll guy at all. So you would think that you hear, you know, petting a dog that appeals to your emotional interests, but not me. I, I I'm not a dog guy. I actually can't stand dogs. So wow. that makes it a, a lot worse. Um, so the five year old, the five year old kid getting benched for leaving the field during the game. I'm on board with it. What say you, Brian? Now
2: did the babe, uh, did the kid cry?
1: I don't know. I I hope he did. <laughs>
2: it's five years old, so it's. I'm
1: with you, Dave. If you're listening to the show, I know you got you preparing for big things tomorrow from two to six thirty DCR for the, for the K show. But I'm with you. By the way, uh, during that little uh, bit we just did, uh, disaster has has is being uh, raining down in Kansas City right now. Yeah. So Loisica comes in. He replaces Jamison Tyon, who was fantastic tonight. Tyon allowed the, the first base runner of the bottom of the seventh inning to reach, so he exits the game. As I mentioned in his last eight starts, 6-0, 2-2-0 ERA, six innings tonight. Uh, he's going to get charged for this run that Loisica, uh just gave up. So Lo- Loisica, a pickoff attempt to first base, <laughs> it goes awry. That runner ends up on second base. Then we get a balk situation. He's on third, and now a sack fly ties the game. So the Yankees and Royals right now, 1-1, bottom of the seventh inning uh, with one out. Uh, so as the old skipper would say, uh, not exactly what you want. The leadoff hitter tonight, Richard in Manhattan, he wants to talk about Bill Belichick. And you've got a bold proclamation. Let me hear it.
0: Yeah, uh, tie. Bill Belichick, his legacy suffers twice. And here's how I'll say it. First of all, we always talked about in these last 15, 20 years, is it Belichick? Is it Brady? And it usually was 50-50. Well, obviously now it was 70% Brady, 30% Belichick, obviously, after what happened. That's number one. Number two, he suffers because he has a six-time winning, uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback on his roster and lets him go to another team, and the quarterback leads the new team, a team that he's never seen, for a coach he's never played for, for a city that he's never been in, to a Super Bowl. He goes to a city, Green Bay, cold-weather city, that the team never plays well in cold weather in a championship game and wins the game there. Okay, I wasn't so surprised they beat Kansas City as m- most of the re- rest of the country was because I felt that once that guy's uh, son, Put that kid, that poor kid in the hospital. That that team would not be ready to play a Super Bowl. No, so so now I also think wanted...
1: the health of the the Chiefs' offensive line and, and Mahomes he he had toe uh, surgery just, after the uh, season.
0: Uh, my my feeling was more than that, Ty. I, I don't. Yeah, you know, I'm saying know, guys day, do you, commercials for uh, what they do for charities and all. And when the the son of the coach, put yeah, the kid no, in obviously lines, that was. A I huge... can't
1: see how you can play football. Yeah, that was that was a tough one to deal with. But I do have a question for you, Richard. So. For me, when I analyze legacies, I don't think that you can go backwards. In other words, like if you are already cemented as the greatest coach of all time... What do you mean, Phil Jackson? You don't think Phil Jackson took a hit? Oh, what his, are you kidding? Coaching, no. How does his coaching legacy? Well, no. take no. Well, he, the way he stand. Oh, no.
0: Come no. on. How did no. How
1: did Phil Jackson's coaching legacy after he retired as a head coach never coached oh, again? Oh, he mismanaged
0: the Knicks yeah, so badly. Come on. That, that had that nothing to
1: do with Yeah, I, I would. I'm. I, I would agree with you. That was a disaster. It set the Knicks back, obviously. But I don't think that reversed his legacy as the greatest head coach of all time.
0: No. so Hi. Uh, so, there's there's only one guy in the history of sports who came back as a, a manager or a coach of another team and did poorly, but never suffered. And he's still one of the greatest managers, and that was Casey Stengel. Because <laughs> after he left the Yankees, and he shouldn't have been fired at the Yankees. So here's he, my point,
1: Richard. He, Here, my point with, what? with Belichick is, he's already cemented his legacy as the greatest coach of all time. You don't go backwards. Someone can pass you. If it you. was Belichick, I mean... if it Someone was... can pass you, but... Like naturally, you're there until someone takes the throne. If Belichick has won six Super Bowls as a head coach, two as a defensive coordinator. He's been coach of the year three times, and is like let's not let's not you know go back and and change history. Revisionist history and pretend. Yeah, did it was it more about? Can we now look at it and say maybe it was more Brady than Belichick? Because of what he was able to do to go, you know, go to Tampa Bay, a team that you know Jameis Winston could could never have any taste of success with, and he in his first year there got them a Super Bowl. So yes, we can retroactively give Brady more credit for what happened in New England. But this idea that we're not gonna, you know, hang demerits on Belichick because of what happened and reverse his legacy, Richard, come on, you're crazy. Well, how do you explain for him
0: letting Brady go like
2: that?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, and I appreciate your call, Richard. We can discuss whether or not it was the right decision to let Brady go. Ultimately, we don't know the full story. Was it that Brady decided, you know, he didn't want to be there anymore? Was it more mutual than we're led to believe? What happened there, we really don't know. Now, if this was Bill Belichick deciding that the Patriots would somehow be better off without Brady— then yeah, we can question that. Also, I mean, let's remember that Buccaneers team was so talented. That that Patriots roster was bad. And yeah, some of that falls on Bill and Belichick. He's the GM. They haven't drafted well. But going to, to, to Tampa Bay and winning, that the the, the Bucks were that was that was a better situation. Brady made the right move. Whether or not it was, you know, Belichick forcing him out or or not, Brady made the right move and it paid off. They won the Super Bowl. But I'm sorry, I'm not gonna, you know, retroactively decide Bill Belichick's legacy takes a hit because the Bucks beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl last year. That that That's just not going to happen. Boot in the Bronx. Talk to me, my man.
3: Hey, what's going on? TV, going on, my man. What Good it to, do, to man. hear you at nighttime. What's up, brother? <laughs> right, the natural progression. Let's You're on the it. grind, baby. In talk about to two or three years, it's going to be the TV show. Trust talk, me on that. Talk to him. Listen, you know what? I'm glad indirectly Richard brought up something that was um, not not the person, but it was about a coach. And, and, um, you know, God rest his soul. You know, when I heard that um, he had pancreatic cancer and he was like in his final days, I was very saddened by that. And then I was saddened to hear, you know, Bobby Bowden pass today. But, I mean, at 91 years old, the man lived a rich life. But, you know what, bro, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I might have been one of the few. I wouldn't say one of the few, but, you know, growing up in the South Bronx, I mean, I was a big college football fan. I played a lot of football growing up. And um, I really loved Bobby Bowden and there's certain people that they were friends to the communities of color. This man was a friend to the community of color. I'm not going to run down the list of all of the players that he had. he had. He had like five or six guys that he coached that went to the Hall of Fame or pending Hall of Fame. But also he gave opportunities to men of color in terms of being coaches. And, you know, you look at Jimbo Fisher, and you see what he's doing over there at Texas A&M. He's on the verge of getting that team to be a national um, championship team. This man was an absolute gem. He was a good man. He was a father figure to a lot of young people who came from communities like where they needed that. And he saved lives. And I just want him to be acknowledged. I know this is a northeastern type of a show and station, and um, you know, we don't really talk about things that go on in the south. But um, that man did so much for so many people and um, it was always perceived that they had this perception of him that they put on like he was a hick, and, you know, he wasn't the most intelligent guy and things like that. But, you know, in retrospect, when you look at his program and what he was able to accomplish as opposed, and I hate to do this, but I have to, but as opposed to Joe Paterno and what he allowed to take place underneath his tutelage, I think this man's star shines a little bit brightly more and I just want him to be acknowledged, man. Yeah, He's a course. great man, man. Very, he was very a great
1: coach. Very well said, Buddha. I mean, the the legacy, as you mentioned, on the field is unimpeachable. Uh, just what he did for that program, historic. And, and as you just alluded to, off the field as well, that the impact he had. So, of course, an RIP to him, dying at the age of ninety-one. He lived a great life, you know. We love power, and and we wish nothing but you know, send our condolences to his family. Uh, but 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 what what a guy he was. What what what. Uh, a legacy he is leaving behind here.
3: Yeah, we affectionately called him Papa Lodge
1: in my house, like we call Uncle Spike. He was a, he was a Papa Lodge. You understand what I mean? <laughs> Buddha, yo, Buddha <laughs> uh, the Jets, though, I mean, you concerned about Zach Wilson after what we saw on Saturday? I know sometimes you can be a little pessimistic. No, listen, I'm not even pessimistic. Stop it. Sometimes. I'm a realist. The Jets, for the last, just stop it. See, I was trying not to go there. <laughs> but, you
3: know, for the last seven or eight years, what the hell have I had to be optimistic about? Itzik McCagney. and then moving into um Douglas. Douglas has done better than McCagney and Itzik, and that's by default. You know, let's you know.
1: Yeah, you could have done better than with those Zach guys. Wilson. Yeah.
3: Listen, with Zach Wilson, I'm not getting upset or overhyped over some scrimmage game against the other team. This first year is a wash for him. All we need to see him do is like um like Mike T said. Is to show that he can stay afloat and be available for 17 games in the season. Robert Caesar Sala, I'm very excited about him as my coach. Caesar, all Sala, he needs to do I, I like is that. show me he could build a defense and be a team manager. I'm not going up or down over something that happened in the first week of August. Yeah, anything else he did is out of their mind.
1: I agree with you, Buddha. I agree with you 1,000 percent. The season starts a month from today. Appreciate the call, my friend. And I and that I'm not going to put stock into you know OTAs and training camp. Wake me up when the real game starts. Like I have, I have a buddy, uh, diehard Knicks fan. He sent me box scores today from the summer leagues. I I I cannot sit there and break down what's happening in Vegas, uh, and, and try to prognosticate how it's going to ultimately affect this team next season. <laughs> I, I can't do it. So the. The, the green and white scrimmage is fun because the fans can get out there for the first time in nearly 600 days. You see the the, the, the rookie quarterback, you see the new head coach, the, the reincarnation of what we hope will be a, a successful Jet organization going forward. But I am not going to sit up here today and, you know, break down Zach Wilson's performance this past Saturday and—, and say that I'm discouraged or if he was great even if he he could have been 30 for 30 with uh, 13 touchdowns I, I can't really get into it I can't get into it by the way don't miss your chance to see the world's top-ranked PGA Tour players in action when they return to Liberty National Golf Club for the Northern Trust, the first event in golf season ending FedEx Cup playoffs, held August 18th to the 22nd in Jersey City, New Jersey. Secure your tickets at the northerntrust.com and be listening to DCR which you can hear from 5 to 8 a.m., and the Michael K. Show, which you can hear from 2 to 6.30 p.m., uh, right here on 98.7. This Thursday, for your chance to score a pair of tickets to see the big names like Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, and many more. It's going to be the can't-miss event of the summer. By the way, Jake, I just got a very concerning text message. We were talking about uh, the, the Dave situation with the five-year-old. So I said this out loud. I thought maybe I said it in my head. I think Brian, you got might have asked if the kid cried. And I said, hopefully he did, because I wanted him to be, you know feel bad for almost costing his team a championship. I get a text from my wife, uh, you're walling for saying you hope a five year old cries. You're walling for that. my 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 wife, who is holding our eight week our soon to be eight week old child, very concerned about what I had to say just now about that five year old kid. But I do think he deserved to get benched. Not that I hope he cried. I just wanted him to know that that the moment matters. Like we have to teach you early because sports i'm I'm as as competitive as they come. Like you can't go out there and and cost our team a chance to win a championship because you want to pet a dog. That can't happen. So, very concerning text message I got just now. Uh, Ty Butler filling in on ESPN New York tonight for Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. We're going until midnight. We'll come back next, and we'll do some more on the NFL. Got to get into hoops as well. The Yankees uh, 1-1 right now. It is the top of the eighth inning. So, Loisica was able to get out of that seventh by allowing just one run. So, we'll keep you posted on this game. The Yankees have a run on first with one man out. It looks like Brett Gardner is at the plate. Uh, So, hopefully they can get it done. Hopefully they can get it done. Ty Butler right here on 987 ESPN. Uh Rise, devil. Ty Butler and for Hardesty price. and Damer, right here on 98.7 ESPN, we're going until midnight. Quick update on the Yankees. It is the top of the eighth inning in Kansas City. Uh, Gardner just walked. Wade reached first base on the catcher's interference uh, preceding the Gardner walk. So the Yankees now have first and second with one out for Giancarlo Stanton. Had a big hit this past weekend against the Mariners. So we'll, we'll see if he can uh, continue those things. Simon in New Haven. You're on 9870 ESPN. What's up, brother? Hey, how you doing? Yo, what's good? How are you? What up, bro?
3: I don't know what's what's wrong with Boone here. He does not know how to manage. I mean... What is he doing batting Gardner in leadoff spot? I mean, I mean, the guy is the Forrest Gump. He stinks. <laughs> you have LeMayu, keep him in the leadoff spot. Wait. I mean, and, and Tyone. I mean, here he pitches a good game and he gets, you know, hardly n- n- nothing. All I right. mean, Boone does not know how to manage.
1: I'm telling you this. Why does he always have to screw up? He Wait. finds a way for this team to lose. So who who should be batting leadoff then? You know the Yankees. Le uh, so so LeMayu who right now on the season, yes, is he a better hitter than Gardner? Absolutely. But Lemayhew's not exactly, you know, Barry Bonds at the plate this year. He he hasn't been that great. Uh, Gardner, by the way, this weekend had one of the biggest hits of the season uh, in that walk-off win for the Yankees against the Mariners. Jameson Tyon tonight threw eighty-seven pitches, so the Yankees are fully aware of the fact that he's, you know, been a guy that hasn't pitched a lot uh, the past couple of seasons because of injuries. You don't want to overwork him, and you bring in Loisica, who's been pretty good for you this year. So I, I, I'm. I'm the thing you have to
3: understand about Gardner, though, he's only a once-in-a-blue-moon type hitter. And we had three other people like him that stink. Chuck Knobloch, Nick Johnson, Doug McCabe. He's number four on the list. I mean, you have LeMayu, for God's sake. He's like, so, like Soriano. Right?
1: <laughs> okay, okay, Simon. Appreciate the call. I, I th- It's it's odd that Gardner is getting so much hate this year. I know he, he hasn't been good. He's hitting two oh two this year. He's got four home runs, 18 RBIs. You could argue the Yankees should have just let him walk away. I was on board with them bringing him back just because, Like I know this is like a nerdy thing to do, but Gardner just feels like one of those players who the next time the Yankees win a title deserves to be on that team. And he's valuable. We can't underestimate the locker room presence. I know it sounds corny, but the mainly throughout the year when the Yankees were struggling, what was one of our biggest question marks? Who was the leader in the locker room? Who was that guy that's going to step up Call guys out, you know, and and create some type of a a motivational tactic to inspire this team that was favored to, to win the American League pennant. They have been struggling. Who is that guy? Gardner is one of your trusted individuals in the locker room who is going to provide that veteran leadership. He's the remaining lone star from the 0-9 title team. And, sure, he's, he's shown a regression not just at the plate but also defensively. I've seen him, you know, miss balls that I'm, I'm used to seeing Gardner catch. But the Gardner hate just feels odd to me. He's given so much service to this team. He's been so great for this organization for so long. It's just hard for me to be that critical of him at, what is he, 36? Like, what what were we expecting him to be? And it's not like the Yankees are just – you know, overcome by just better options out there and an abundance of of guys who should be out there. It's been a struggle all season long. To the Garden of hate, I'm just not here for. I'm sorry. I'm just not here for. it. Update on the Yankees. So staying at the plate, I uh, believe it is a 2-1 count, se- count runners on first and second. It's a 2-2 count runners on first and second, one away, looking to give the Yankees the lead here. Uh, before we get to a break, let's go to uh, Jeff, he's calling from Bradley Beach. Bradley Beach. What's up, Jeff?
2: How's it going, Ty? How are you, brother?
1: I'm doing well, man. What's going on? Talk to me nice. Hey, Stan just put, struck are out, you know by what? the way. Do
2: you, do you,
1: pick, do you pick those
2: uh, songs when, you, when you're when uh, you helping Anita out and stuff like that? Cause you I do. you always have the good tracks in the oh. background. Right?
1: Yeah, I do, do pick the d- songs. D- I, I play DJ you- with Anita uh, on Saturdays and Sundays.
2: You played some EPMD, too, off that Nas. Like, I was feeling it. Um, You
1: already know it, bro. um,
2: So I was listening to you talk about Brady and Belichick, and, you know, I'm a huge Patriots fan living in New Jersey. I already have my troubles in that aspect. But um, I think it was a mutual thing. I honestly do. I think Brady just knew the talent he had around him. Um, You know, when he was on Howard Stern, he was saying that, you know, he knew 2019 was his last year. Um, So I thought it was more of a mutual thing. And he's a guy that just, you know, wants to play out his contract. He was was in the last year of his contract. So I I personally think it was a mutual thing. Um, 20 years is a long time, and I think it just needed to happen. But, you know, I know you're you're doing your thing. you got your shows going on, and I love your come-up right now, like what Buddha was saying about you earlier. Um, A little tidbit, I think, for, you know, argument's sake down the road, if you ever wanted to use it, is that, this is the first time that Bill is coaching a team that didn't make up the playoffs since 20, uh, 2002 was the last time he didn't make the playoffs. Mm. And I know you're a big basketball guy. So when LeBron went to the Lakers that first year, he didn't make the playoffs. He got hurt, you though. That,
1: yeah, he got hurt. You
2: did all that, right, it did hurt, but you give that man all that extra time mm-hmm. off. I know we went into a COVID year and we had a break there and it gave him more time off, but think about Belichick being out of playing. Yeah, I agree. I'm sorry,
1: Jeff. I'm up against the clock. I do got to run. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, Not exactly apples to apples with LeBron and and Belichick for obvious reasons, but I get your point. I'm excited to see Mac Jones uh, and the the, the Mac Jones-Bill-Belichick combination, if it does come to fruition. I'm not going to completely count Cam Newton now. He's also got a lot to prove, so we'll see what happens with New England. Obviously, I'm rooting against them. I hope they miss the playoffs, uh, but we'll see what happens there. (laughs) It's
0: a whole lot of money it's This is ESPN New York tonight Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer.
1: Ty Butler in for Larry and Gordon right here on 987 ESPN. We're going until midnight. one 800 919 That's the way to join the conversation. You can hit me on Twitter and Instagram at Ty D Butler. We got a Yankee update, and this is a positive one. You know, uh, a lot of Yankee uh, offensively, a lot of Yankees offensively have struggled. You know who hasn't struggled this year offensively? That would be All-star Aaron Judge. On an RBI single in the top of the eighth inning, he gives the Yankees a 2-1 to lead. So now the bullpen tasked with having to hold it, uh, six outs remaining, but the Royals do get a leadoff hit to start the bottom of the eighth inning. No Chapman, he's on the IL. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how Aaron Boone who Simon in New Haven says is clueless, uh, pieces this thing together as the Yankees look to get back in the win column after having their five-game winning streak halted at the hands of the Mariners yesterday afternoon, two nothing. The offense just did not show up. But coming into yesterday, the Yankees nineteen and eight since July six. That was the best record in baseball, and they were doing it uh, the way they're doing it tonight. That was pitching the two seven one ERA the Yankees had. That was the best in the American League. Jameson Tyon was phenomenal tonight. Unfortunately, Loisica inherited a run that he allowed to score. Uh, so we'll see if he can you know kind of limit the damage here with one run on one runner on and the the Roy- the Royals had their best hitter Salvador Perez at the plate. So we'll keep you posted on the Yankees. I did want to get into the Mets just a little bit as well. Uh, we'll get back to the football too. Got some basketball stuff I want to uh, get your thoughts on as well. The Mets are in a tailspin. And if you remember a couple of years ago, it was Mickey Calloway who said, what, uh, I don't want things to fall into a tailspin. So, of course, things did fall right into a tailspin. The, 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 the match just completely uh, blew uh, blew apart. And right now, it's not looking great for this team because too many things have gone wrong. You've lost your ace in Jacob Degrom. There's no replace—people say, you know, next man up. There's no next man up for one of, if not the best pitcher in baseball. There's no next man up for superstars. Same goes with Lindor, who had been struggling all season long. and the fans were getting on him because the Mets signed him to a a long-term lucrative contract. But losing him, two of the best players on the team, you're not going to get better. You're going to get worse. So it is not shocking that since the All-Star break, the Mets— Nine and fifteen, and after spending three straight months in first place, they're now in third behind both the Phillies and the Braves. underwhelming at the trade deadline. they get Javi Baez, but not much else. They're two and seven since then and things have falling apart. A lot of Met fans just not happy with what's going on and during the so losing contributes to you being agitated by other things. Like Steve Cohen being on Twitter, like it was cool. And now Met fans are annoyed because the team is losing. And you could have first guessed that. It's fun when the team is winning and they're having fun. But when you're lethargic and you're tweeting out, you know, the, the, you, you met with the team before the game and they look great and then they get two hit last night, uh, things start to trend the other way as far as Met fans are concerned. So they're not happy about that. Came across an article today. Joel Sherman says that his sources indicate Luis Rojas's job not in jeopardy, that despite him being 82 and 89 in two seasons with the Mets. He figured that, you know, with a roster this talented, albeit bitten by injury, uh, but to struggle the way that they have in this comically bad division. Uh, you would figure Luis Rojas would be in some sort of trouble, and and actually, this past weekend, he was asked uh, if he's worried about his job security. You
0: no, know, I, I can't. I would never do that. My focus will always be on the team, and nothing more than that. We gotta win games, and if my focus is not there, I'm disrespecting everybody that's wearing wearing this uniform. That's 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 it. There's nothing more than that. So my focus is here. My focus is to what I need to do. I gotta, I gotta get ready to to help the guys for the game tomorrow. You know, facing Zach Wheeler, one of the best pitchers in the National League. So we gotta put together a lineup and we, we gotta come in and we gotta win. You you guys know it better than I do. I, we, we gotta win. We gotta win tomorrow.
1: So he get, and that was Saturday, going into Sunday's game. So he gives the 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 perfect answer. You you can't worry about your job. You just got to focus on winning games. And I just never believe coaches when they say that, because obviously, I mean, this is your livelihood. This is uh, what you've been called here to do. You struggled last year. You come into this year with high expectations because of the improved roster. You get off to a fast start. You're in a bad division and things are falling apart. By the way, trouble happening in Kansas City. Uh, Jake looks like he's about 10 minutes away from throwing the phone at the television. So watch ahead, Brian. Uh, Loisica has now allowed the first two Kansas City Royals to reach base in the eighth inning. So in comes Chad Green. We've seen him blow games recently. Uh, so not feeling good right now if you're a Yankees, but you know, still some time. You got the lead up 2 1 in the eighth inning. Uh, so on Rojas, he gives the perfect answer, but you, you have to be worried about your job security. I don't think that if the Mets miss the playoffs this year, you're bringing them back. Steve Cohen, you, you can flaunt the money all you want. You paid guys. You you have enough talent here. So if the team is not doing well, who does it fall on? Does it fall on the GM for not you know properly you know arming this team at the deadline, knowing you needed some pitching help? Are you going to pull a, a, a Cashman and a you know St- Hal Steinbrenner and say it falls on the players? They have to be better. There's no reason why the Mets should right now be the second worst offense at all in all of baseball when you employ Pete Alonso, you know, Nimmo and Jeff McNeil and and Michael Conforto. And I know they've dealt with some injuries this year, but those guys right now are healthy. Dom Smith is giving you some pop. There's no reason why this team should be that bad on offense. And it has to be infuriating to Mets fans because you thought, you know, the, the, the question marks would be surrounding the pitching. Outside of DeGrom, you had a lot of question marks. Yeah, you have Stroman, but with Syndergaard hurt, Carrasco hurt, and the bullpen being a mess last year, uh, you felt that the trepidation would would emanate from that side. With all the talent you have offensively, remember how you know Conforto coming into the year reports he, he could get $200 million. <laughs> yeah, how's that working out? And uh, the, the, the division being so bad is where you lose your credibility. How am I to take you seriously? Uh, we're in a division where the Nationals punted on the season. The Marlins are not a baseball team, and you've got the Phillies and the Braves. Yeah, the, those those are they're pretty good, but they're flawed. You should you should be running away with this division. That should not be a conversation. We should be looking ahead to October and how you're going to try to win your first playoff game in six years. So if you're a Met fan, I understand why you'd be devastated right now. Because you thought this team, without question, without, would at the very least get to the playoffs. New owner, you acquire a superstar Lindor. You pair him with one of the best young players in baseball in Alonzo. You got the best pitcher in baseball in DeGrom. The team got off to a great start. The division stinks. You thought, there's no way you thought we'd be here in August with the Mets looking up at not just one but two teams in this division two teams but Pete Alonso says uh ah, ye of little faith come on guys
4: Mets fans believe in us and don't just believe no because the there's tough times not just in baseball but in life in general know that this is this is just gonna be this is just a speed bump and a challenge and also smile you get to watch baseball even though we're I mean it's a game you can I know it's a I know we have a the most passionate fan base in baseball. I know that, and I understand that it's frustrating. It's frustrating for us, but uh, just understand that we're we're here together. We're all in this together, and they're, we got this. We got this. Just smile and just know that that we got this.
1: Yeah, nothing says we got this like being nine and fifteen since the All Star break. Nothing says we got this like you know being the twenty ninth best offense in the, in all of baseball. Pete Alonso, we got this. I'm not killing the Mets. I don't think they're dead just yet because I still have no faith whatsoever in in the Phillies and the Braves. But Alonzo, give me a break. Here is what I know. You've got the Nationals coming up here, but beginning Friday, you're staring at a monster slate with the Dodgers and the Giants coming up 13 times uh, through through the end of the month. You're going to play two of the best teams in your league 13 times. And actually look this up. Fangraphs, Fangraphs gives the Dodgers... And the Giants, the first and third best odds to reach the World Series. You're going to play the combination of those two teams with the first and third best odds to reach the World Series 13 times to end the month. And, and you want to sit there and tell me. yeah?
4: Mets fans, believe in us.
1: Believe in and us. don't oh, just believe. Don't just believe. Alonzo, get it, Get a grip, my friend. Get a clue. Believe. What? What is the reason why we should believe in you? Why should we afford you the benefit of the doubt? And again, I don't think the Mets are dead. I'm I'm not saying they're going to miss the playoffs. But believe in us. Alonzo, are you kidding me? Believe in us. We got this. It's just a speed bump. No, it's not. You've been dreadful for months. It's just a speed bump. When the Yankees nearly gave up a three-run homer and I saw Jake get to his feet, I I was nervous for the the health and safety of Brian in in the control. Ty,
4: how come it's never easy with this team?
1: It it can't be. It it wouldn't be fun if it was easy. I don't
4: think I've watched the Yankee. I think there was one game this year where I watched it from beginning to end and didn't sweat it out. It's Even the games that they win, it's always close till the very end.
1: Well, th- this is what they do. They want us – they're compromised. They don't have their, – they're their closer – uh, the team has been bitten by COVID. You've got Urshela out. You've got Indujar out. You've got Sanchez with COVID, Rizzo with COVID, Cole with COVID, Montgomery with COVID. I get you. Like, even when these, te- when these guys were in the lineup, it wasn't easy.
4: I don't know if you saw this on social media today. There was this big thing that they made an all-IL team for the Yankees. And they said if they've played this actual team that's on the field tonight, who would win in a seven-game series? You look at the all-IL team. The entire pitching rotation is what the rotation should have been in the beginning of the season. It's Cole, Kluber, Montgomery, Herman, Severino. The all-IL team is the actual Yankees team that we thought was going to be the team.
1: And not to mention, uh, Gleyber Torres, he is out now. He's on the IL with a thumb injury, and it, it could not come at a worse time because he had been playing very well. Since the All Star break, hitting 300, like he had turned it around. We had been wondering what happened to the labor tour as the Yankees traded for when he came, and he was a, a a sensational player, hitting home runs. Looked like he could one day become one of the best players in the sport. He hit a wall, but since the All Star break, he's actually been playing much better. And now he's on the IL. He's going to see a, a a thumb specialist. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but anytime you got to see a specialist, that doesn't strike me as good. So the Yankees right now are you know, dealing with injuries, dealing with COVID. Uh, but the good news today was that it looks like Herman, Kluber and Severino are making their way back. What can we expect from those guys? Who knows? Klu- Kluber's barely pitched the last couple of, uh, last two seasons. Severino, when's the last time we saw him? And the last time we saw him, he wasn't good. Uh, but we have to just believe that, you know, if you're a Yankee fan, these guys can come back and give you some sort of an impact. Uh, speaking of the Yankees, we go to Kansas City. Chad Green just surrendered a game-tying RBI single uh, against the Royals. So they now have runners on first and second with one out. Uh it's, it's never easy, Jake, to answer your question. It's never easy. So we'll continue uh, to talk about the Mets, talk about the Yankees. If you're a Met fan out there, uh, disaster is raining over you right now. How confident are you in this team's ability to get to the postseason? And even if they do get there, do you think they can make any noise? As I mentioned, they have the Giants and the Dodgers coming up 13 times starting Friday through the end of the month. That's not good. We'll keep you posted on what's happening with the Yankees in Kansas City right now. Um, <laughs> this, this this game this would be a crushing game to lose. After losing yesterday the way that they did, not being able to score, coming to Kansas City and blowing multiple leads against this team, brutal. Tyon went out there and gave you his all. He did give up the one run that you know Lausica actually surrendered. He inherited him. But this, this would be a crushing game to lose. This
0: is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.